0: Hey guys, welcome to The Absurdity, episode 6, The Art of Listening, and I know that I'm breaking the naming pattern, but I believe that this episode is worth that. Now, I want to admit ahead of time in this episode that there is great irony in me expressing my opinion about people expressing opinions. Bear with me though, because I believe this may be something worth considering. You see, the internet provided something a lot of people never had before, a way to be heard. See, the internet gives everyone a voice. And this was amazing for several groups of people and individuals who never had the chance to give input on important discussions or be a a valuable part of conversations. And while this is great, the internet has also provided a different issue that runs in tandem with this. The focus becomes solely on your words. Nonverbal communication, while researchers argue on exactly how much, They at least agree that it affects the majority of your message and how it is conveyed. The actual words that you use end up becoming the minority of your message. Nonverbal communication includes body language like eye contact, body position, crossed arms, crossed legs, etc. And as a pastor, and even when I taught in, in high school, I can instantly see someone get defensive by the way they shift in their seat when I would bring up a controversial issue. And I know in that moment to be even more careful about how I navigate that topic because I can see that there is someone who will be personally affected. Based on the tone of their response as well as their body posture while talking about the issue, I can read more from their words than just the face value of the words themselves. This means that I have the opportunity to recognize the issues behind the issues. So let's say I'm about to talk about parental abuse to a group of high schoolers, and a student sheepishly raises his or her hand. And when I call upon them to ask a question, they either say, never mind, or they take a while to ask the question, or refuse to make eye contact with me while they ask the question about specifics of parental abuse. If I took their words at face value, I would only think they were interested in the subject. But if I recognized the nonverbals, the lack of eye contact, the half-hearted raising of their hand, or maybe the fact that they took a long time to do it and they looked beforehand like they were really struggling to decide on whether or not they even wanted to ask the question. See, if I ignored that, then I would only think they were interested in the subject itself. But if I recognized those nonverbals... I might also recognize why they are interested, and I can suspect the matter is much more personal to them or to someone they know. And now I have the opportunity for follow-up and the opportunity to appropriately intervene in what, in what might be a harmful situation. Yet on Facebook, YouTube, Reddit, etc, we don't have that opportunity. We only have the face value of words, and we can't see those nonverbals. And when we can't see past words, and we have to accept things at face value, we often forget to listen. And this is something that I'm guilty of myself. But you see, listening is an art. And so I want to talk about reclaiming that art today. Anytime I see someone state a viewpoint on social media, I rarely see people trying to connect beyond it. Instead, I simply see people trying to be right. But sometimes, I would contend, that being right isn't the most important thing. Even if Colin Kaepernick's protest was done inappropriately, must we be so quick to minimize the plight of thousands of Americans just to prove our rightness? We don't listen to the message behind the message, but we become spokespersons for our own personal ways. If I don't like how you did something, if I don't like how you said something, then it doesn't matter why you did it. I will let you know how wrong you are for doing it. And this amazes me, because I see this pattern of behavior from the same group of people who walk out of churches because well-meaning Christians have done the same to them, casting judgment on face value rather than trying to understand and connect with the person behind You see, when I was in third grade, a friend introduced me to pornography, and this would become the catalyst for what would eventually become a lifelong struggle for me and countless other men. And I knew my parents would be mad if they found out that I looked at it, but I didn't understand the dangers because, well, as a young person, my body felt good, so this must be something that is good. And it wasn't until eighth grade that I realized that it was dangerous. But by then, the wiring was redone in my mind, and the addiction was deep and embedded. And it wasn't until my junior year of high school that I realized I really needed help. But I didn't know where to turn, and I didn't know who would listen without judgment. Sometimes we don't realize that those trapped in addiction have punished themselves enough with the shame and the guilt resulting from it. And those trapped are often afraid. Because if they are so hard on themselves, well, how much worse will others treat them? This was my line of thinking, and I know this to be true for several others. And so as a struggling teenager, I turned to the only thing I knew to do. I turned to Facebook, where I could vent and feel like I was talking about it, but without actually referencing what my issue was. And if you look back on my posts from that year, you will see some cringeworthy stuff. But I didn't know what else to do. I didn't have any other avenues of expression. And so this all became one big cry for help. Now today, we've created a stigma against this, and it existed even when when I was the one crying for help this way. And this stigma is something that I've given into myself, even after being a part of it. People should just confront their issues, and they should not be passive-aggressive on Facebook or or YouTube or, or, or just seek attention. And ironically, we say this, and we created this stigma about a platform specifically designed for you to draw attention to yourself. And so we dismiss these cries for attention as nothing more than immaturity and selfish narcissism. It took my first ever boss in high school, who happened to friend me on Facebook, He was the one who saw these posts and realized that there was more going on than what the face value of my words were communicating. And so one day at work, he pulled me aside and confronted me about these posts. And he was the first person I ever told about my struggle in depth. And because of him reading beyond the face value of my words, for the first time, I was able to find the help that I desperately needed. And while this struggle would follow me for years later, this became the catalyst for me to begin really dealing with this issue. The problem is I don't see this happen much anymore. Social media has become a million voices shouting simultaneously while nobody listens. And we minimize the struggles of others because of the distance between us. Because if I don't have to make eye contact with you, then I don't have to care about you. If I will never talk to you again after this comment, then I don't have to care about you or what you say. Rarely do we acknowledge someone's story or someone's life because being right has become the most important thing. But I'm not just here to complain about how far we've fallen or to say uh, woe is us for the way that we treat each other. Instead, this episode is a call to reclaim the art of listening. And instead of being so quick to point out how wrong someone is, let's first try to understand why they're using those words to begin with. Let's stop shouting at each other long enough to hear the cries for help. You see, you can argue about statistics all day long, but statistics won't always change someone's personal behavior. Providing proof of your argument won't always change someone's mind, Often for people, experience will trump whatever proof you offer them. To a black man unjustly searched by a cop, your statistics mean nothing. To a white man who won't admit to a racist system, your statistics mean nothing. What even brought me to this point where I'm hosting a podcast talking about this was not proof that injustice was happening. It was seeing and experiencing the pain that people I love are dealing with. But as long as I remain distant from that pain, as long as I refuse to interact with it and just try to disprove it, I would never change my behavior for the benefit of someone else. I would never try to help them. I would never try to understand them because I would be right and they would be wrong regardless of their experience. Because on social media, you see, I am right and they are wrong. If my identity lays in my experience, It will take a lot more than impersonal statistics to change my mind on an issue. I often tell people that if they don't believe in God, 100% proof would not likely change their lives one bit. See, Israel in in the Old Testament had all of the proof they needed. They walked through a sea. They had a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to guide them. They had stones that lit up yes or no as direct answers from God. Yet time after time, they turned away from him and rejected him. Judas would walk with Jesus virtually every day for three years, and he would still betray him because his identity was found in the way he thought ministry ought to be done. Jesus raised people from the dead, he healed the sick, he stood up to the religious right, and he did so much more. But no amount of this proof that Jesus could offer would change, change Judas' mind on the matter. You see, listening ends where rightness is identity. Because now if you tell me I'm wrong, you are attacking who I am. This is exemplified by one phrase that I've heard over most, and I realized this from a professor explaining it to me in class years ago. He says, when we state an opinion, we often say, I feel that this is this way, instead of I think. And we attach our opinions to our emotions. And this is a very subtle form of of manipulation. It is not fully intentional. Because now, if you disagree with me, you are now attacking my feelings. You are dismissing my feelings if you are calling me wrong. This method of identity defense is hardwired into our systems from years of this kind of expression. We set up our tents and we build walls to protect our identities, leaving them to grow cold and distant from the experiences of others. And when this happens, over time we become less able to relate with others and more obsessed with being right. So my challenge to you today in this short episode is this. Before you write that next comment, or form that next camp to defend, I would challenge you to first listen. Maybe you are defending something that is actually irrelevant. Maybe your statistics will do more harm than good to someone's life. And maybe someone needs you to see their experience beyond their words. Because the art of listening begins when we step out of our own walls and of our own camp. It is there that we can understand someone else's experience. It is there that we can reach out a hand and help someone else. But as long as we are so obsessed with being right and protecting that rightness, we will be unafraid to leave someone else in pain and in darkness and guilt and shame. That's it for today's episode. I know it is short, but thank you for listening. And I hope that you have been able to take something from this to challenge your life and and to maybe do things a little bit differently with the way that we approach conversations online, and even how we approach conversations in person. You can find more episodes of The Absurdity at www.theabsurdity.org. You can find us on iTunes as well. You can go ahead and subscribe there. And if you do, please leave a review and let me know uh, what you think of the show. If you are interested, you can contact me by emailing me at ryan180becker at gmail.com. You can let me know if you want to be a part of the show in any way, if you want to come on and talk about a specific issue that you are passionate about, if you want to delve in a bit more to some of the issues we've talked about in in previous episodes, whatever it looks like, you are welcome to be a part. Until next week, I'm Ryan Becker. Thanks for listening to The Absurdity.